welcome to the Bikers Church Midrand Podcast. It's great to have you join us for this week's episode. We hope that you find this valuable for your daily life. Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us again today. Now, today's message is a little different. Today, if you uh, do not regard yourself necessarily as, a, as part of this family, um, man, you're still so welcome to engage with us today. And in fact, I want to encourage you to engage with us because I still believe that there are just some good principles that you'll be able to apply to your own life. However, if you're part of this family, today we are going to just be speaking through some family news uh, with regards to where we're heading in the future. And for me, it's really, really exciting. But to get us kicked off, to just give us the context that we need, I feel like we need to delve into just a little bit of history of where we come from and how we started. So to us, 1986 was a really big year. A really good year because in 1986 Bikers Church was birthed. Why 1986 is important is because I believe that it gives us insight into the culture, the church culture in which this church was born into. Let's think about it. Church culture 1986. I know some of you weren't born yet. Uh, For some of you, you were very much in church culture in 1986. For some of you, you weren't in church culture in 1986, probably for the reasons that I'm about to mention. But in 1986, the culture of church was, was very traditional. It was very conservative. Honestly, it was very exclusive. We fast forward all the way to 2021. And church culture has shifted. And I'm grateful for it. Because today, church culture is far less conservative and exclusive. Church culture has actually become very welcoming, very inclusive. And I really celebrate that about the global church. We've seen worldwide churches that have been um, traditional, that have, that have stuck, to, stuck to those exclusive traditions that they've that they've had that have maybe kept people at bay or kept people out we've seen them close worldwide Uh, we've seen that within the borders of our nation how a lot of our traditional churches that have hung on to those those traditions that that have kept them exclusive how they've shut their doors in fact right now one of our uh, churches in this nation, one of our bikers churches, they have the, the, uh, the, the option of two, two churches, two church buildings of their choice that are standing wide open because unfortunately they ran dry and had to close their doors. Now, even though I'm really excited for, for our guys in that town that can start up in an in a, in a, in a awesome building, <laughs> my heart breaks at the fact that there's a gathering of people that no longer gathers because they weren't able to make that transition. They weren't able to, to make the change from exclusive to inclusive. 
And if you know me, if you've spent some time with us, you'll know we like questions. <laughs> we like asking questions. And as we think through all of this, I think it's important for us to just ask ourselves a couple of good questions. This morning, the first question that I'd really like to ask us is, why do we exist? Now, if you're a businessman, you can ask this to yourself. And a lot of these principles, you'll be able to apply within your company, your business, whatever it may be. But as a church, as a church, why do we exist? Think about that for a moment. As a church, we believe that we exist to bring the unchurched into a lasting relationship with Jesus. That is why we exist. Another really good question for us to ask ourselves is, what is the ultimate picture of our potential? What is the ultimate picture of our potential? Ramon, what do you mean by that? Well, if there were no restrictions on us, if finance wasn't a restriction, if geography wasn't a restriction, if fill in the blank was not a restriction on us, ultimately, what could we be? What would we be? <laughs> what should we be? And I think it's a great question because it allows us to dream. It allows us to think beyond where we are and, and think into that, I believe, ultimate picture of our create, creational purpose. Like, why were we created? And surely it's for more than this. Now, as we think of what is the picture of our ultimate potential, one of the big things that keeps coming up as we speak to people is, hey, we could be so much bigger. We could have so many more people involved and invested. And this really opens up and, and helps us to be more effective in formal areas. That's true. But the moment you start speaking about this, People kind of get hung up on, oh, it's all about the numbers. You're just chasing numbers. See, there it is again. It's numbers. You just want to put butts in seats and it's all about the numbers. I want to out myself this morning. I'm going to, I'm going to just shoot straight with you this morning. If I'm honest, I think the numbers are important. I really think the numbers are important. I think the number of people who engage with the reality of Jesus, who engage with the love of Jesus and find freedom in Him, like I think that number matters. I believe that, that the number of people who, who, who walk that journey with God and, and find themselves in eternity with Him one day and, and, and not in like eternal anguish. Like, like, I think that number matters. And as a follower of Jesus, I, I pray that that number matters to you because it really, really should. So yes, when it comes to the numbers, when we start looking at the numbers in that way, 
I believe the numbers matter because each number is a name. And each name is loved by God. And each name is loved by someone else where they have influence and where they can share that love of God with those loved ones. So when it comes to the ultimate picture of our potential, I do think that in that, one of the aspects of that is that yes, yes, I'd love for us to grow in that way too. So, as we talk about the ultimate picture of our potential, what do we need to do to get there? What do we need to do to get there? If you're a businessman today, why do you exist? What's the ultimate picture of your potential? Okay, now what do you need to do to get there? If you're part of CMA, why do you exist? Why do we as CMA exist? Why, what is the ultimate picture of our potential as CMA? Okay, now what do we need to do to get there? I think these are great questions. And as we've looked at what do we need to do to get there, there's a statement that I heard years ago that stuck with me. And the statement is this. It says, the strategy must line up with a season. The strategy must line up with a season. What am I saying? We need a new strategy for a new season. We need a new strategy for a new season. And it's not just Ramon saying that. I believe that Jesus said that. There's this moment where he's with his disciples and it's the disciples of John, who, who, John the Baptist, who, who come over to Jesus and they ask him a question. They say, why don't your disciples follow the traditions of old like, like we do and like the Pharisees do? And in true Jesus fashion, he goes and he, he responds with three things. He, he answers this, the question the same way, but in three different, um, different uh, like, uh, ideas, three different answers that speak into the same thing. For the sake of time, I'm going to jump through to the third, where he says this to them. He says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. Yes, Jesus was speaking about the condition of their hearts, 100%. But 100%, that lines up with us need, if we're trusting God for something new, if we're trusting God for a new season, for new wine, then we need to, to, to prepare new wineskins for that new wine. It's a good friend of this ministry, a man by the name of Pastor Alan Ogilvie, um, good friend of ours. Uh, he's been a friend of this ministry for, for, for more than 20 years. And during that time, I've had the great privilege of just being able to watch him speak to, to leaders throughout that time. And he's brilliant in speaking to leaders. 
And I've heard him several times speak on this thing called the six M's. The six M's. He talks about three M's where there's no compromise. And then he speaks about three M's where compromise is allowed. The first three M's, he talks about the master, the mission, and the motive. There's no compromise there. See, there's no compromise when it comes to the master. When it comes to Jesus, he's Lord of my life. He's king of my life. And there's no compromise when it comes to that. When it comes to the mission, there's no compromise. What is the mission? The mission is caught up in two things. The great commission and the great command. The great commission is go into all the world, make disciples of every nation, (laughs) baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teach these new disciples to do everything that I've commanded you. What has he commanded us? The great command. Love God. Love people. And then Jesus clarifies it where he says, love people the way that I have loved you. Sacrificial love. So that is the mission. And there's no compromise when it comes to the mission. And then when it comes to the motive, the why, we said it earlier where we spoke about bringing the unchurched into a lasting relationship with Jesus. But to clarify that, the motive is to bring people to a point where they know God, where they can find freedom, where they can discover their purpose and ultimately where they can make a difference. Then there are three M's where compromise is allowed and oftentimes where change is needed. Those three areas are the market, the model, and the method. The market, the model, and the method. When it comes to the market, the market speaks into the group of people that we engage with. And at times, that uh, market may need to adapt. We may need to adapt when it comes to our market. It may expand. It may be refocused. There are times where, where change may need to be allowed when it comes to our market. When it comes to the model and the method, that's pretty much just how we do what we do. How we do what we do. So it's not affecting the why. The why stays in place. The motive stays in place. We're not messing with that. We're just figuring out how we're fulfilling that motive. So there are these moments where the model and the method has to change in order for us to remain effective. If you think I'm full of rubbish right now, just for a moment stop and think about Blockbuster. Remember that rental, video rental company um, who did so well for so long? World's largest video rental company in the world. And they transitioned beautifully from VHS to DVD. No problems. However, in the year 2000, a guy by the name of Reed Hastings walked into their head offices and said to them, guys, I have a brilliant idea. I call it Netflix. Here's how it works. By the way, we've been running for a couple of years and we're already worth $25 million. 
dollars. I believe your market is busy shifting. I believe that as a result, you need a new model and a new method in order to reach that market. They looked at everything. They disagreed with him. They thanked him and sent him on his way. Ten very short years later, when Blockbuster declared bankruptcy in 2010, Netflix's annual income was $161 million. Today, Netflix is worth $203 billion. You see, the truth be told, Blockbuster had every opportunity to reach their ultimate potential. If only they were willing to adapt, recognizing that their market was shifting and as a result, they needed to pay attention to their model and to their method. Now, we've just come out of a series called uh, More Than Just a Decision. And if you haven't watched it or engaged with it yet, I so encourage you, go back onto our YouTube channel, go find them. It's really, really worthwhile. In that series, we encourage you to ask yourself some good questions, to answer them honestly, and then to act on them courageously. For the last year and a bit, we've also been encouraging you to take some next steps. We've been asking, what's your next step when it comes to your family, when it comes to your marriage, your kids, your, your business, your relationships? What's your next step in your faith journey with God? Now, we've had the freedom to ask you these things because over the past two years, us as a church leadership, we've been asking ourselves some really tough questions. Good questions, but tough questions. We have answered them honestly, brutally honestly at times. And then we started acting on them courageously and continue to do so. As a result, as a church, we've recognized that we have a couple of next steps that we need to take. And if the past year has shown us anything, as life has changed around us, we must change what's needed in order to remain relevant. We must change what's needed in order to remain relevant. Not change for the sake of change. No. Change what's needed in order to remain relevant. We see what that did for us in March of 2020 when as a nation, we went into 21 days of lockdown. And as a church, we could have, as some churches did, just go, guys, we'll see you in 21 days. It's just 21 days. Be encouraged. We'll see you in 21 days. We're not going online. Um, when, the, when the doors are allowed to open again, we'll see you. We could have done that. And if we had done that, with all my heart, I don't believe well, first off, I definitely wouldn't have been speaking to you because we wouldn't have done online. But secondly, we wouldn't have in-person gatherings at the moment. We, our doors probably wouldn't be open and there would probably be a big for sale sign on our gate. But thank God for the wisdom, the insight, and for the fact that he gave us the courage 
to take that next step going online. And because we were willing to not kick against the change, but, but to embrace the change, we learned some really cool stuff. And as a result, we actually grew. You're part of that. It was John Maxwell who, who made this statement, and it's become one of my favorite statements, where he said, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. You see, change was going to happen. We didn't really have a choice. We just get to choose what change we ended up with because growth is optional. And because we embrace the change, we experience the growth. And maybe that is a message for you in your own life this morning. Now, the first century church, they found themselves in a very similar space to what we've been speaking. Up until then, everyone turning to Jesus was pretty much just a Jewish audience. And then somewhere along the line, they, they started to engage with, with, with people outside of the Jewish community. We see Peter, for the first time, really approach what they called Gentiles back then, just being non-Jewish people. And so this Jesus-following movement started to expand, and the market started to shift and expand. <clears throat> Excuse me. And as it started to shift and expand, they started to realize that they need to have a look at their model and their method because this is different now. All, all of these Jews kind of saw following Jesus as their next step in their faith journey. They'd gone through all this stuff growing up as, 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 as part of the Jewish culture and, and, and belief. And the next step in that was following Jesus. But now all these Gentiles, all these people who, who never did any of this stuff, now they wanting to come to Jesus. So what do they need to do in order to kind of find themselves in a space where their next step is to follow Jesus? And we see, we see this moment where they recognize they have to pay attention to this. So all the, all the leaders of the day, they, they, they came together and they formed what we called the Jerusalem Council. And they started to speak about it. They started to, to, to thrash it out. What do these new believers need to do in order to come into the faith? And it was at this point where James, the brother of Jesus, he speaks up. And he says this. And what he says next changed your life and it changed my life. Where he says this. He says, and so it is my judgment that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. You see, James wasn't saying, hey, we need to compromise on the master or the mission or the motive. No. No, he was all in when it came to the master. He was all in when it came to the mission and the motive. But he said, gentlemen, we need to recognize that our market is busy shifting. And we need to pay attention to our model. We need to pay attention to our method. In short, we need to pay attention to all those obstacles that are in the way. All of those unnecessary hurdles that are in the way. That are stopping people who really want to turn to God from turning to God. 
I wonder today, ladies and gentlemen, when it, when it comes to your life, what are those obstacles that people are coming into contact with that are stopping them from turning to God? Is it an attitude? Is it, is it an underlying issue that you've just never dealt with and it sticks out like a sore thumb, but, but you're just not willing to address it and it's stopping people from turning to God? Maybe you need to ask yourself this question and, and, and ask God this question for your life and pay attention to that. But as a church, to our church family now, what are the obstacles, what are the hindrances, what are the barriers within our church that are stopping people who want to turn to God from turning to God? from turning up our driveway and coming and engaging with the love and the freedom found in Jesus. Now, as a church leadership, we've, we've asked ourselves, we've answered, as I said, quite brutally, <laughs> and we've acted and we are busy acting on those answers. And we recognize that we have a next step. Several, but one in particular. And our next step that we have to be taking right now is that we recognize that we need to change the name of our church. We understand that the name of our church right now is an obstacle. It is a hindrance. It is that, that barrier that's in the way of some people turning up our driveway and coming and engaging with the love and the freedom found in Jesus. What I pray that you hear today is that our doors, our hearts, our lives, this church will always be open to bikers, will always be a home for bikers, for motorcyclists. We will always be the home of Christian Motorcyclists Association in South Africa. Who we are hasn't changed. At the core of who we are has not changed. We just recognize that there may be some hurdles and some obstacles that are keeping people from coming and finding that love and finding that freedom in Jesus through this church. And as a result, we've recognized we need to make the change. So we are not closing our door to anyone. Please hear that. In fact, all that we are doing is opening our door just a little wider. To not be exclusive, but to be inclusive for anyone who is turning to God. We're not doing away with where we come from. No, in fact, we are taking that and we are building off a really good foundation. We remain to be a part of and, and to, to remain in good relationship with the Bikers Church movement throughout Southern Africa. 
and we're grateful for the road that they've even walked with us as we've got to this point. It was William Temple who said this. He said, the church is the only institution that exists primarily for the benefit of its non-members. You see, as we opened our doors in 1986, predominantly to bikers, bikers were, in our context, a symbol of people who weren't welcome in church. To be in church, you had to dress a certain way, look a certain way, speak a certain way, behave a certain way, and if you did, then you were welcome to come to church. But if you didn't fit that mold, you weren't welcome. Today, we are opening our door a little wider to remain true to the heart of why our doors opened in the first place. To not be distant, but to be welcoming. To not be closed off to, but to be inviting. To not be exclusive, but to be inclusive to go and make disciples of Jesus to go and love God to go and love people and ultimately that it will not be difficult for those people who are turning to God let's pray father God I thank you for this morning Lord Lord, I thank you for the way in which you have challenged us to really do some serious introspection, Lord. To maybe get rid of a holy cow or two. To maybe get rid of things that, that may have been in, in, in our blind spot, Lord. Father God, as men and women are listening to this message today, Lord, I pray that you will give them the courage to ask themselves these questions, Lord. To, to, to be honest with themselves and answer honestly, Lord. That if there is any hurdle, if there is any obstacle, if there is anything that is stopping from those around them to really come in and find the love and the freedom in Jesus, Lord, to pay attention to those things and to allow you to come and bring a couple of changes, Lord. Father God, I thank you that as we do this as a church, Lord, that our heart is to pursue you, that our heart is, is, is to, to remain true to who you created us to be, that our hearts are to get rid of any hindrance that may be standing in the way of anyone who wants to come and find that love and that freedom in you. So, Lord, we commit this moment to you. We commit this church to you. We commit these people to you. And, Lord, we just thank you that we can trust you as we follow you in obedience, that we can trust you with our future. Lord, that we can do everything in our power to make sure that it is not hard for those who want to follow you. And that as we do this, us ourselves will grow closer and closer to the image of your son, Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Just before we leave, you're probably wondering 
what the new name will be. Well, the exciting news is that you get to come and find out on the 11th of April when we will be revealing our new name. If you want to come and join us in person, please do so. Uh, we look forward to seeing you then. It is exciting. It's something worth celebrating. And uh, we will see you regardless next week. Have a good week. Bye. We trust that you found this message valuable. For more information on who we are or how you can get involved, please check out our website at bikerschurchmidrand.co.za or connect with us through social media on Facebook or Instagram. Beyond that, have a great day.